Let me read to us today's uh, scripture. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in the old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in the sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God. Today's story is a very familiar account, but may this retelling of this familiar story bring fresh revelation and insights from God's Spirit for our growth and benefit. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that your word bring forth life through your Holy Spirit, the giver of life, the giver and the mover of all our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, we heard of the encounter between Zechariah and the angel Gabriel, who promised Zechariah a son, John. Today, we encounter the angel Gabriel again, but this time, Gabriel speaks to Mary M, or when translated to English, the famous name, Mary. Actually, Mary's Hebrew name is Mary M. And like Zechariah, Gabriel delivers a message that Mary will have a son. And like Zechariah, Mary raises a question, how? How will this be? Unlike Zechariah, however, if you read the two accounts, Mary isn't struck mute for a question. Didn't they ask a very similarly logical question? Zechariah had asked Gabriel, how can I be sure of this? Mary asked, how will this be? On the surface, it seems like both of them had asked legitimate questions. On closer examination, however, and this is very evident in the Greek text, the word how is not repeated, it's a different word altogether. But in, in essence, Zechariah had asked the question of proof. He was asking for a sign, a confirmation. While Mary had asked the question of process. How will this take place? And here the NIV does a good job of differentiating the two questions. It translates Zechariah's question as, how can I be sure of this? And Mary's question as, how will this be? Zechariah's question was, how can I be sure of this? Mary's question was, how will this be? For this reason, Zechariah had raised a question of doubt, and so he was struck mute. Mary, on the other hand, received the answer she was looking for, and the angel Gabriel explains to her the Holy Spirit will come upon her, the power of the Most High will overshadow her, and so she will conceive. In other words, her conceptions will be supernatural rather than natural. For some of you, you may be thinking to yourselves, but this distinction seems very minute. However, this distinction is actually very important 
especially in the context of our healing service today. When God's Spirit moves in our midst, do we raise questions of proof or do we raise questions of process? Do we question if it's God, God, is it really you? Or are we trusting in God's process, even if we don't fully understand it? So to put it more simply, the right question to ask is, how will God heal? And we may not understand it fully. The wrong question to ask is, will God heal? If we return to Angel Gabriel's replies to Zechariah and Mary, we again see this key distinction. Gabriel's reply to Zechariah is in essence saying, I'm a Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and yet you doubt my words. If I can just paraphrase him, I may think he might say something like this, Hello, I am the Archangel Gabriel who stands in the very presence of God and yet you dare to ask me for a sign of confirmation. Since you doubt me, I will give you a sign. You will be struck mute. The problem is that Zechariah had asked the wrong question. Will God do it? I'm already so old. Will God do it? On the other hand, Gabriel's reply to Mary, found in verse 37, is straightforward. He says, no word from God will ever fail. From Angel Gabriel's point of view, one should never doubt God's power and ability. But he did not exert his authority. He simply says, refers to God. God is the one who says it and it will happen. In fact, in the original Greek construction, to show the emphasis, Gabriel's reply to Mary actually begins with, not powerless are all words from God. Of course, from an English grammar point of view, it doesn't make sense, so they don't put it this way. But the emphasis is clearly seen in the Greek text. Not powerless. God's word will always be powerful. It will be unfailing. The NKJV translates it. Perhaps some of us are more familiar with NKJV. Nothing will be impossible with God. But actually, the NIV does the best translation here. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Not powerless are all words from God. Now, regardless of the translation, the point is very clear. Mary wasn't struck mute because the question wasn't one of proof. It did not doubt God's power. Her question was one of pure inquisition. She merely wanted to know how God would accomplish His will. If anything, her question was one of satisfying legal requirement. I'm not married yet. How can I ever have a child? So her question was, how would God do it? And not, will God do it? But Zechariah doubted God's power. He placed his aged body above God's word. He saw his wife's aged body as a hindrance in believing in God's word. He allowed the circumstances of his life to trump over God's word. Mary, on the other hand, fully trusted in God's power. She replies, Gabriel, May your word be fulfilled. She simply trusted in the power of God's word. She did not allow the circumstances of her life to limit what God can do and wants to do. And so today's message is very simple. We must return to the solid foundation of God's word. We must return to the solid foundation of God's word. Whatever God says in his word, he will do. He will accomplish. Isaiah 55 verses 10 to 11 says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, says the Lord. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
And so I believe this is God's word for us and our church for this Christmas season. No word from God will ever fail. Unfailing word. Unfailing God. You know, it's very easy to succumb to and bow down to the circumstances of our lives. We cast doubt on God's word. Perhaps we hear the doctors who say, this cancer is incurable. Or perhaps our own bodies tell us, like Zechariah, oh, I'm so old already, this act of healing is impossible. And even for those of us who have once received a promise from God, perhaps for healing or whatever, may be tempted to doubt God because this word takes very long to be fulfilled. I pray that we will listen once again to God's word. Our God is an unfailing God. He who promised a Messiah 400 years ago before Zechariah and Elizabeth fulfilled it in their time. Our God is a God who always keeps His promises. His word is an unfailing word. We may not understand the timing of things, but we return to God's word. And in particular, I want to bring us two particular Rema words I feel that the Lord wants to give to us afresh this morning. Besides the scripture text given to you, Number one, James chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. By God's grace, I'm an elder of the Methodist Church in Singapore. And so later on we pray, we are taking this by faith. And verse 15 says, The prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So this is the first Rema word I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today. The need to confess our sins so that we may receive healing. Years ago, our pastor team member, Irene, I think I shared this testimony before, but in case you haven't heard it, it's a good testimony. She went to the Chin Hills in Myanmar and she came across a lady who was bedridden. And the Lord gave to her a word, preached to her the gospel, at the same time asked her to release her unforgiveness. So she had been bedridden for a long time. But as, she, as a pastor, a pastor team member, Irene shared the word and asked her to confess her sin or unforgiveness. She did so. The news came back about a week later. This bedridden lady who has been bedridden for months started walking and was serving about in the kitchen. So it's important we recognize this important word from the Lord today for us to deal with the issue especially of unforgiveness. You know, if you are truly honest, unforgiveness hits all of us. Some are small, some are bigger. Some are day old, days old, some are decades old. Maybe the grab driver didn't treat you well. The passenger on the bus, you know, snubbed you. Your colleagues, your bosses say something nasty or give you the regular treatment and stuff like that. Some may be long, decade-long issues of unforgiveness with spouses, parents, siblings. But God's word to us today is that we must confess these sins. Confess them and the Lord will bring about healing. Second passage I want to bring to your attention is Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. And that's why the place is called Mara. Mara in Hebrew just means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. 
By the way, this is a foreshadow of the cross, the wooden cross. So Moses' time, God told him, throw this piece of wood into the water and suddenly the water can drink. So Christ's cross, the wooden cross, is what brings redemption and healing. So the Lord issued this ruling and instruction for them to put them to the test. I mean, if you think about it logically, how can it be? How can throwing this piece of wood into the water turn something bitter into something drinkable? Illogical. But the Lord wanted to teach them to listen to His commandments. And so He said, the Lord said in verse 26, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, so Moses said this, If you pay attention to His commands and keep all His de decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord who heals you. This is where we get the phrase Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. It comes from here in Exodus 15. And again, this confirmation of the word was at the pre-service prayer at 8 a.m. this morning. The prayer minister was leading in the pre-service prayer. And this was the exact passage that came to her. No collaboration between two of us at all. And so I truly believe this is God's rhema word to us. We need to learn to hear God's word. Take it as it is. Don't doubt it. God's word will never fail. The Lord is our healer. If you look at all three stories, James 5, Exodus 15, and the story of Zechariah, they essentially have one thing in common, and that is sin needs to be confessed and addressed before healing can take place. Zechariah was struck mute because of his sin of unbelief. The Israelites were grumbling because of the bitter water, and God had to remind them again of their sin of unbelief. They didn't trust that God would bring them through and provide for their needs. So God had to remind them to trust and obey and James 5 reminds us that we need to confess our sins and pray for healing. Now, I must be fair to say here that not all sicknesses are a direct result of sin in our lives. Let me say that again. Not all sicknesses are a direct result of sin in our lives. It's not like as if you committed one sin and therefore you have one sickness. It does not work that way. The classic example of this is Job. Job was a righteous man, the Bible says. Righteous, blameless. And none of us dare to even say that, right? And yet, he was struck with sores and all kinds of uh, misfortune. So not all sicknesses and pain are a result of our uh, sin. But if those of you who hear this Rema word today, and your conscience convicts you, you know that you have harbored sin in your heart, then you need to hear the word of God. Confess your sins so that you may receive their healing. Let's pray for, together for a while. Let's close our eyes, whether you're here at the half or the sanctuary. I can't see the hands over the sanctuary, but God knows. So over the two places, wherever you are, if you hear God's Spirit convicting your heart of sin, and yet you want God's healing, can I ask you to just quickly slip up your hand and then put it down again? So I can lead us in prayer. Yes, I see your hands, sisters. Let me put them down. Yes, I see your hands. Put them down. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hands. Especially the issue of unforgiveness. Yes, I see your hands. In those in Hall 5 as well, I can't see you, but God sees your hands. Yes, you may put them down. Give you another 10 seconds. Those of you who need to raise your hands to confess your sins, 
Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hands. Come, let us join together in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious God, that even in our sin, you desire to restore us and to heal us. Lord, you hear our prayers of confession, and we ask that you cleanse us and forgive us because of what Jesus has done. Nothing in our own benefit, uh, of our own works, but because of what Jesus has done. I want to invite those of you who need healing, especially those of you who raise your hands, to place your hands right now on the parts of the body where it's unwell, the back, the spine, the head, whatever it is. Just place your hands there. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of healing, trusting in God's word. As the elders pray, God will do his healing. Holy Spirit, I know you are here. And you are there too, at the sanctuary. Lord, move accordance to your word. As your people have confessed their sins, heal them. Heal them emotionally, physically, and all that torments them. In Jesus' name we speak healing. Amen. So if you have experienced a healing touch from the Lord, you know there's something going different about your body, do write in a testimony. Next time we may just publicize it. Since I have time today, I thought I would uh, talk about some questions. Uh, since I started the healing services, I moved it from Saturday evenings uh, to Sundays. Some questions uh, that people have asked me over the weeks. First of all, let me clarify by saying, by emphasizing and moving in healing, I'm not saying that we can defy death. As Christians, we should not be afraid of death. And if we are afraid of death, I want to ask you to go back to your foundations. Do you truly believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, committing to Him everything about yourself? As Christians, we should not be afraid of death because death is merely a doorway to a new resurrected body. And we will see Jesus face to face. It's a fantastic thing. So we should never be afraid of it. So healing then, number one, is not a way to prolong our lives continuously. Okay? Healing is not meant to defy death. That is not the biblical understanding of healing. Second, neither am I saying that God must heal all our ailments. I think I read out on the slides. Just because we have done something right, like confession or sin, you know, or certain prayers, just because we have done something right, God does not own it to us, owe it to us to do it, to heal us. We've got to understand that God is God. None of us can ever arm to his God. When Mary Magdalene came to Jesus in the Gospels and asked him to heal his bro her brother Lazarus, Lazarus uh, was already very sick, about to die. And what did Jesus do? He waited until Lazarus died. <laughs> then he went over to resurrect him. So we cannot force God, arm to his God, to come to our position. He has his agenda, he is God, he decides. He is the healer, he decides when to heal. Healing is completely in God's domain, full stop. I read this book recently by Sam Storms, and he gave this wonderful analogy. You know you can build a wonderful sailboat, wonderful body, put up wonderful sail, but it is God who sends the wind. None of us can cause the boat to move on its own. It is God who sends the wind. So we must believe that only God does the work of healing. But having said that, we also know from Scripture that God's nature is merciful, compassionate, and He is Jehovah Rapha. That is His very nature. God is our healer. Everyone who came to Jesus received the healing that they were looking for. 
And the woman, the best example of this, of faith, was the one who suffered 12 years of bleeding. She came out of the blue, surprised Jesus, touched his garments, and was healed, simply because of her faith. In fact, Jesus commended her for her audacious faith. And so while we cannot arm twist God, there is something that God has put in the system called faith. Pastor Liam Kai in our staff devotions gave this simple analogy. Faith is the handle which opens the door for God to come in. He was talking about Revelation 3, you know. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And it's a passage not to non-Christians, but to Christians. Whoever opens up the door, Jesus will come in. So faith is the handle, merely the handle which opens up the door. The door is built by God in the first place. But God has empowered us to take action, to take responsibility, to exercise our faith. And so, while God is the healer, He has given to us faith as the important means in which we demonstrate that our belief in Him and God will heal. Right? So healing stems from God's nature, but yet there is a place for faith. Now, we also need to differentiate between reality versus God's ability and desire. Take, for instance, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's very clearly stated there that God's desire is that none should perish, but the reality we know is that people do perish without God. And so the reason the people perish is not because of God's lack of power or desire to save. God's desire is that none should perish, very clearly stated. But He allows human beings to exercise their will, whether they want to open the door to allow God to come in or not. Over and over again in the Bible, we see this pattern. God's desire is contrary to what happens in the world. God's desire is not for an earthly king, but the Israelites asked for it and God gave it to them anyway. God's desire is for Israel and Judah to repent, so He sent prophets over and over and over again, but they refused to repent and God had to do something He did not like, which is to severely di- di- discipline His people. Could God make everyone believe? Yes. But does he? No. He allows human free will to take place. And so we bring this understanding over to the area of healing as well. From Scripture, it is very clear that God desires to heal. It is his very nature. God's ability to heal is unquestionable. Jesus, who is God made flesh, showed it in his earthly ministry. One third of the Gospels are full of healing testimonies. And so whoever takes away healing from Jesus' ministry, you have really severely truncated the gospel. You have removed a large part of what God desires to do. Healing is God's nature. That's why His name is Jehovah Rapha. So we must not allow reality to define or limit what God can do or God wants to do. The problem with Zechariah is that he allowed his circumstances his lack of understanding to limit what God could do or God wants to do. And so he was struck mute as a result. But for us as believers, we return to the solid foundation of God's word, which is no word from God will ever fail. God's nature is to heal. We return to this solid foundation. Again, I want to say and emphasize again, don't look at the circumstances of our lives. Look to God's word. Give you another analogy, illustration here. You know, among believers, we often say to ourselves, God is good. Right? God is good. And for us as believers, it's because we have read the Bible, we know what the Bible says, God loves us while we were yet sinners. 
He died for us. That proves God's love toward us and many other things like that. We are, our foundation is the Word of God. And then from there, many of us also experience God's goodness in our lives. So for us, it's very clear what God's Word is saying. God is good. But to the unbelieving world, they look at their reality. There is suffering. So either there is no God or God is not good. You understand the parallel? Just because we cannot see healing does not mean that God does not want to heal or God is limited in his ability to heal. We always base our faith upon the solid word of God. Do not doubt God even if his answer does not come at the time we expect. I came across this quote on Facebook. Although this quote refers to how different people take time to blossom under the same education system, I think this same mystery may also apply to the area of healing. And this quote goes like this, Popcorn is prepared in the same pot, in the same heat, in the same oil, but they don't pop at the same time. Right? Why are some people healed instantly? Why are some healed gradually? And why is it that some people's prayers do not seem to be answered at all? The answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why some popcorns pop first. Same, exactly same conditions, and yet we see different timing. And if this is such a reality, so true, for such a simple case, what about the complexity of human beings, our relationship, God, sin, and so many other dynamic factors regarding sin, sickness, and healing? But what I do know, while I may not understand everything, what I do know is that the problem is not God's ability to heal. No word from God will ever fail. And so if you hear this word today, remember it. No word from God will ever fail. God's word is never powerless. I also know it is not God's lack of desire to heal. Is it a case of lack of faith on our part? Although faith is important, I'm not sure if the answer is too simplistic. The popcorn, I'm sure, had no faith at all. The corn kernels, right? But yet they pop still. So what I want us to do really is to open ourselves fully and completely once again to God's word. Believe His Word. Don't look at the circumstances of our lives. Fully base your life on God's Word. So here's the tension we must all he- uh, hold. God heals. God desires to heal. But the eventuality and timing of God's healing is a mystery. Faith is not everything, but faith has its place. Faith doesn't mean also that we deny death at all costs, but we trust God in all things. So each of these are true in themselves. They are tensions to be held. Let's not try to pit them one against another. Don't try to give an explanation why healing didn't take place. We just trust God. Leave it to God's sovereignty. Recognize our finite minds cannot comprehend everything. Why did Zechariah and Elizabeth, for example, have to wait so long before they conceived? The scripture tells us very clearly it is not because of their sin. Luke chapter 1, 6 tells us they were righteous, blameless, obeying every command of the Lord. So clearly, again, in this case, we see their sickness is not linked to their sin, right? But they had to learn to wait for God's timing. They had to learn to trust God in all things. At the 8 a.m. service, we sung this hymn, but we are not singing it here, but I want to bring the lyrics to you. The lyrics of this beautiful hymn in our hymnal goes, Not so in haste, my heart, have faith in God, and wait. Although he linger long, 
He never comes too late. He never cometh late. He knoweth what is best. Vex not thyself in vain until he cometh rest. Until he cometh rest, nor grudge the hours that roll. The feet that wait for God are soonest at the goal. As soon as at the goal that is not gained with speed, then hold thee still my heart, for I shall wait his lead. Beautiful hymn reminds us of the need to trust God, wait upon God's leading and timing. Don't be like Zechariah. While we may not understand or explain everything, let's not be like Zechariah who doubted God's power because he allowed his perception of reality to trump God's word. Instead, let us submit humbly ourselves, humbly submit ourselves to God's spirit, to submit to God's power as Mary did. Let God take over. Let God do the work of healing. Let God decide the timing. Let God be God. But it's important that we exercise our faith by clinging on to the Rhema word today. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. What has God spoken to you today? We need to hold on to it. As we close, let me remind us of Mary's attitude of wailing submission. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's slave. May your rhema word to me be fulfilled. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this life-giving word that no word from you will ever fail. Restore our faith once again to believe that God, you are a wonderful and great healer despite the circumstances of our lives. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.